Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. The buildup in the final few seconds before the show began featured Marty frantically chewing on his four-colored pen, and I can only imagine the notes that you're writing down in all different colors right now, trying to get to the bottom of the scoring woes for this Sabres team, the chances that they can't quite seem to finish, Marty. It is puzzling to say the least, even though it's 55 games in now, and we've seen examples of it. Yesterday was just the latest, uh, you know, in, in, in a line now that doesn't quite jive with some of their other improvements that they've made this year. So how can you lead us off today as far as figuring out the complexity of this issue? Well, first of all, the problem with my four color pen is there's only one that works on this one. I've run out of the blue the green and the red on this one. So I'm down to the black. So that's you sound, uh, you sound like our office printer when the uh, magenta is, is fully yeah. uh, expired. I need more toner. Somebody send me toner for my blue, uh, my, my blue four color ink pen. Um, the other one is that yesterday just puzzles me, right? So mm-hmm. uh, the Anaheim Ducks um, are a team that as Don Granado said, were opportun- opportunistic in the game. They mm-hmm. didn't get a whole lot. Like they barely, barely were a 1.5 goal expected in the game. Wow. Right. So they didn't get a whole lot and and they got four. And I do feel, as Tage Thompson said after the game, that they gave them those goals. They they had full possession of the puck four times. And one of them was looking in behind the net. And he goes to give it to uh, Connor Clifton. He doesn't give it to him the right way. He rushes the play late in the second, a minute left. And it's in the back of the net, and that makes it 4-3, and then that's it. That's that's the game right there. But in the end, Don had a message yesterday that I I was a little, I don't want to say skeptical of it, but he said good teams outscore their their uh their mistakes. And I get that. That was the whole message last year. You know, Sabres outscored their mistakes, right? And they got great goaltending, and they've been getting great goaltending by Uko Pekalukanen. So I wanted to see how many times this season as the Sabres outscored their mistakes, meaning like, and in the end, it comes down to, did you create more than the other team? And did you create a lot more than the other team? Yesterday, they created a lot more than the Anaheim Ducks. When you look at everything, did you finish 
and and the the answer is no. You didn't finish as much, or you you didn't get the one save. But I'm not going to put that on Lukanen. And the game yesterday has been fantastic. So, but it's going to happen. So, I looked at Natural Stat Trick, which is a you know a site where they give you the expected goals, they give you all of the the advanced numbers that you want. I said, okay, how many times this year were the Sabres on the 60% or more of the expected goals in the game? All strength. Like, not just five on five. I'm talking about power play because sometimes the power play needs to bail you out, right? It's happened nine times this year. They've played 53 games, right? There's yesterday game 53? No, yesterday was 55. 55. We have 27 to go. Yeah, 27 to go. So yesterday, that's right. So yesterday it was game 55. It's happened nine times this year where they were by far the better team mm-hmm. out of 55 games. And the and record in those one, nine that's games? That's a very low number. The record in those nine games? Seven and two. Oh. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. I'm like, okay, well, Don has a point. When he says, hey, good teams outscored their problems, you know, and, and they get out even though you make mistakes and you give So what were the two, yesterday in Dallas? Um... Oh, I, I, I got it in front of me right here. Well, um, don't worry about it. If it's not top of mind, it's not. not. I didn't not write deal. him down, but I, I can tell you exactly. The two were yesterday and they were, and it was. Um, Although the Dallas the Jets one was. Game, the Jets game. Oh, the Jets game in, in Winnipeg. Yeah. In Winnipeg. Yeah. The yeah. Jets the Dallas one was weird because I remember you talking afterwards about how from an expected goal standpoint, even though the shots were what they were, yeah. that it wasn't nearly, it was a little bit of a deception as far as the shot. And, and listen, I put the, 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 the stop at 60%. Like there's some games where it's 59.5. I mean, as sure. could, you can load that in, but I just wanted to know like 60%. Let's just say expected goals percentage, 60%. There's seven and two in nine games now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, It'd be great if that was 18 games, right? Where you'd be 14 and four in those 18 games where you've created more than the other, right? So mm-hmm. the other thing that I did then is I said, okay, well, let me look around other teams that are kind of like in the same boat as the Sabres when you look at their position in the standings, right? Maybe they're in the playoffs, maybe they're out of the playoffs, but they're in that middle. There's no need to look at Colorado and look at Vancouver and say, hey, how many times did they win when they dominate the things, right? So No, you would look at St. Louis, Minnesota, Nashville, Seattle, and in the East, the, you know, the Red Wings and the Islanders. And so I teams. pulled four teams. I look Philly, Pittsburgh, Nashville, Seattle, right? Oh, so I'm like, okay, so teams that are around there. Even Philly, a team that is supposed to be a defensive team, right? Like, okay, John Tortorella, let's lock it down type thing. They've done it 14 times this year. Their record's eight and six in those 14 games. So, hey, Sabres are able to be better in those games. They just haven't done it enough. Pittsburgh has done it 16 times. Mm -hmm. Their record's 11 and five, Mm -hmm. right? Still not like the Sabres record, but more times gets you more wins. Nashville's done it 14 times and their their record's 10 and four. Okay, it's the only team that's the outlier is Seattle. Seattle's done it only eight times, so even one less time than Buffalo. But I think that proves a point of last season compared to this season. Even last year, Seattle outperformed their expectation, outscored their expectation so much more than you know the uh, other teams. The top two teams in that category last year were Seattle and Buffalo, mm-hmm. right? So it proves that, okay, there was a regression in the way that you were maybe able 
to outperform some of your expectation, but also if you don't do it enough, you're not going to win. Like, okay, you lose to Anaheim. I think that's fine. But if you if you had done that 18 times this year and your record was, you know, 14 and four in those 18 games, we would mm-hmm. just be talking about that was a waste opportunity, wasted opportunity against Anaheim. Right, but it, yeah, a, a recurring but... team for the season. But you would presumably have a lot more wins, like 14 compared to seven. And absolutely. And if you had 14 <laughs> compared be, to seven, be, you know where they'd the be in the playoffs would be right now. They'd be in the <laughs> yes. playoffs. Yes. Yeah. Like I'm sitting here, and, and you know, because this goes back to the entirety of last year's offseason. If they just, and then you complete the sentence. And for me, it always started with if they just improve by three tenths to a half goal per game better defensively, I have no doubt that this club will be where it wants to be. Well, right now, they're sitting 14th in the league at 3.07 goals against, which is more than half a goal against per game better. Yeah. And they've made no significant gain in the playoff race, which, like, their goals for is 21st, which is obviously the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. Five on five, they're 13th in the league. Perfect. That's exactly, you know, the the step I wanted to see. Power plays 27th, penalty kill is 14th, although the penalty kill, it's hard to believe, the penalty kill is below 80%, and it's 14th in the league, which tells you power plays are up. And what oh, does yeah. that mean? Power plays are up league-wide, but Buffalo's is not. So it becomes yeah. that much greater of an issue when the rest of the league is scoring at a higher percentage. and. You know, so 27th is hard to overcome. They've minimized the shots against. They typically outshoot their opponent about 32 to 29, which may not seem like a lot, but it's a lot better than the years when it used to be 34 and 36 against because <laughs> that's just simple math. In those numbers, yeah. you're going to face harder chances against. So, yeah, it, it it's it's not... Unfortunately, it's not vacating our conversation area here anytime soon the scoring issues that the club is going through. And and I would say largely on the power play, but the bulk of the game is still played five on five. So somehow you have to be even better there. And and the problem is that for me, it's a hard, hard, hard thing to comprehend. Okay. Just because of the nature of my position through my career is about, Hey, if you are much better defensively and if you're getting better goaltending, you're going to win more games, right? Mm-hmm. And you could see this year, that's not the case. Because defensively, they're giving up, as you pointed out, a half a goal less per game yeah. than they were. That's a huge number. It's a I huge mean, increase, really. It really is. It's a huge and in a in a massive positive way. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so, and it's not just your goaltending, it's Right, that's why I mentioned 29 shots against. That's a low number. That's impressive. That's impressive. And um, so that is one thing that we talked about all year last year. Be better defensively because the offense is going to be there. Now, I get it. The offense, you know, kind of had some moments where they went back to forward a little bit. But, you know, you still don't have Jack Quinn and now Owen Power, despite the fact that he's a defenseman, can help with the offense. There's a lot going on um, Mm -hmm. in the injuries that's happened. But... It doesn't make sense to me. I always, always felt you are better defensively. You're going to get out of it. And because the offense has taken such a step back right now, it it kind of, 
I don't want to say it's the exception to the rule because I always say if you're better defensively, you're going to be fine. You're going to be you just maintain everywhere else. Um, the offense is taking such a step back, and and it's not just in the creating factor; it's in the finishing factor. It's mm-hmm. you know they're not finding that extra goal, and it's most nights we're talking about it. That extra goal, that extra power play goal, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this is a a two one game where you have a power play, you score, you're up three one, and look. The first power play moved the puck really well. The goal that they scored, it wasn't just Tage's goal. It was other chances before that. In the pregame, um, was it Saturday? I did a telly about the, you know, the power play uh, against the Florida Panthers, how they were getting shots. They were getting good looks. They had puck possession. I feel like the power play at least, well, you know, got a goal, but they also had an opportunity. But you take a little step forward and then all of a sudden it stops. And then it allowed Anaheim to get back in the game. So I know now we're 11 minutes into the show and people are going, yes, I know you've talked about this. So what does it mean? Well, it's that's a really good question because question. we're at we're at game 55 and we're that much closer to the trade deadline. And, you know, we we've heard Kevin Adams and we've certainly read the reports about what Kevin has said to various reporters and or here on WGR Sports Radio 550 about, you know, the belief is that the GM would prefer to add to improve as opposed to adding to continue stockpiling more prospects, right? But to me, it gets into a really tricky spot here where you're trying to trade for improvement, but you might not be able to close that ground this year. So how would you even measure improvement in the, in the short term, right? Because it would almost be like you're looking for next year. But, but I think what I'm asking you here is trying to lay out everything in front of us. Yeah. Like how has now this, this challenge to score, how do you think it has impacted what they would like to do moving forward, whether it is at the soon to be trade deadline or in the off season? Because the fair assumption is, is that there's going to have to be critical evaluation slash reevaluation on some of the top players who were trending career-wise last year, but have dipped. And that's always the challenge, right? You have to measure, well, is this player likely to come back up or are we seeing more of what they are. And and those are incredibly hard questions to answer because they're typically not one-offs, right? It's a team yeah. game for a reason. So I don't the know. The biggest I'm, challenge I'm re- for me, Duffer, is that is the, and I, I it's going to be weird putting it this way, is the amount of pressure now you're putting on your next up and coming kind of uh, the prospect pool that's going to come through. Like if you are going back to like, Oh five, oh six, oh six, oh seven. If mm-hmm. you're Vanek and Pominville and those type of players, Derek Roy or whatever, you didn't have the pressure to say we got to perform, right? Because you still had Dumont and Briere and Drury and those guys to perform at a high level. Mm-hmm. But I felt like that was going to be the case. I'm like, I can't wait to see Kulik coming in and then taking the time to be able to get up to the speed without putting so much on his shoulder or the Roseanne or Savoy or whatever, right? Saying, hey, they'll come in. Whatever they give you, they give you. It's fine. They don't need to be lights out. Well, and, that's Benson this year, right? That's Benson this year, yeah. yeah. And and okay. so, but... If you do have Skinner going and Thompson going and Cousins going and Tuck going, right? 
And even now you got Milstad going this year, but you know, that's a secondary piece in my op- op- opinion to the offense, to the heavy lifting production. Middlestat's a nice piece, but is a secondary piece in my opinion. You know, Paterka, nice piece, but a secondary piece. You got your primary piece, you got your secondary piece, and then you got your 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 your, your supporting cast. And the supporting cast, Nate, Nate, Zach Benson is a really p- nice piece to the supporting cast. Matt Savoy could be coming in and being a nice piece to the supporting cast and Kulik and those guys. But now because your offense is dip, when those guys appear in Buffalo next year, right? Or the year oh. after or whatnot, if the offense from your big heavy gunners are still sputtering, are still not right, you're putting oh. so much on the next group to come in to 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 balance it out and to overcome that deficiency which is why we started this part of it by you know discussing the impending trade deadline and acquiring a ready made help offensively defensively you name it something significant up front because you don't want to push that pressure down the line to two more kids coming in next year and being counted on you want someone who is established but yeah. i just I don't know how much harder it is for them to make that trade right now when they're not right on the cusp of, you know, knocking through the playoff wall. So well, I don't know. It, I, I don't know how you view that. that trade, but again, it's, it would be so much. And, 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 and this is just putting it on again. I mean, if you are a top player, right on the team, mm-hmm. you obviously have to perform at that top level or you are putting not your just yourself in a position where you know it's becoming harder and you're adding pressure on yourself but it's everything else around you it's everybody else around you say in today right i have no idea how and if and when you know contract talks for casey mills that are going or whatnot but it makes life a lot easier on kevin adams to say hey i can you know, play this a little bit more closer to the vest, a little bit more standing on my on on standing the ground that I believe in and my structure or whatever. If everybody else is performing offensively, and then you say, hey, if it's not gonna happen, it's not gonna happen, and then I can make a trade, right? Mm-hmm. Because everybody else is performing. But now you're starting to second guessing everything and say, Well, I mean, I can't let Casey Millistat go, or I can't, you know, move him on because of you know, the issues that we're having scoring goals, the issues that we're having trying to to get that extra push in games and we're getting it from Casey, right? I mean, look at the uh, the line that Casey's been on with Cousins and, um, yes. and uh, Greenway. Greenway. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they have been the better line again. Like it's, it was middle stat, Greenway, Tuck was really good, but then you're like, okay, we really got to get Thompson and Skinner going again. Let's put Tuck up there. And Cousins, I, I, I look at Dylan Cousins, I feel... He's moving well. Casey's playing the puck. Greenway's playing the best that he's played since being yes. acquired, right? Yeah, offensively, and, without question, undeniable. Undeniable. And the Krabs line with Benson and Paterka, I've been looking really good too. I, 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 Benson impresses me every game, and that's not to take away from the other two. I just get more and more and more excited about his willingness to be in the areas, his willingness to shoot. I mean, he's literally, pardon me, he's missing by inches right now on some of those releases, you know, from below the hash mark in. Yeah. And as I kind of said to you a week or two ago, like I 
I see this kid as a 30 goal scorer someday. And I don't know how quickly, but it's because of where he gets to. And I have confidence that with his work ethic, he'll figure this out. So, so at five on five yesterday, Duffer, when Benson was on the ice, the shots were 12-4 for the Sabres. Now I get it. The shots were very, yeah. you know, I mean, it, they ended up what? They ended up uh, 36-15. But at five on five, when Benson was on the ice, the shots were 12-4. Mm-hmm. Okay. At five on five, when Greenway was on the ice, the shots were six, two. So he's still plus four mm-hmm. um, at five on five, the shots, when Thompson was on the ice, three to four minus one, right? Wow. At five on five, when Skinner was on the ice, four to five minus one. I mean that in the end, I know we can circle every single line and say, Oh man, like, you know, the first goal against, uh, you know, the, the Gergensen's line, like, the, okay, Eric Johnson had the puck. Okay, you can circle all of that. But in the end, if your top guys in a game where the shots are 36 to 15 are minus one at the end of the night at five on five, okay, the shots on goal at five on five at the end of the night were 28 15. So mm-hmm. it's not even if they were like, okay, lots of power play shots or whatnot. Your five on five production is right there. And you can put a big circle around. With the Thompson line, despite the fact that he scored, he scored a power play goal. He had a great chance. Gibson robbed him on the goal line with the glove. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you, you Sabres went only as far as that. Well, only as far. They went that far last year, a point out of the playoffs because that line drove the bus. Mm-hmm. And right now that line not driving the bus. Doesn't matter if Milstad's driving the bus. Doesn't matter if Krebs is driving the bus. Doesn't matter if Dallin's driving the bus. You need that line to drive the bus. That's as simple as that. So with the trade deadline on March 8th, um, like, do you look at this? You mentioned middle stat before. You mentioned how good Greenway's been. Like, do you think they have to maximize players at their best here as far as, you know, maybe Value? taking him? Yeah, like taking advantage. Like, I know the hard part is, <laughs> you know, you want to say taking advantage of of players playing well. Um, you'd prefer it not. To, you'd prefer to just be hanging on to guys and and you know trying to get into the playoffs. Um, but I do wonder whether the improved play of some has changed the perceived value around the league of these players and well, the, and where because of that really... whether you think the GM is going to be active because he has some players that that now have more value in the eyes of others yeah and look you can say okay we have ufas on the board Let's yeah the ufas are not UFAs. my thing right like we're and talking it's like what is that gonna do like olafson right. and gergensons and robinson and i don't think Caloposo would be going anywhere eric johnson like those are your ufas right. and is that gonna change your franchise next year no, it's not going to do it. Maybe a pick here or maybe a, you know, lower end prospect, whatever. It's not going to do much. Um, the guy that has a ton of value, again, mm-hmm. it's Casey Milstead. He's at $2.5 million this year. There's teams that are going to look and say, we'd like to add at the deadline, but we don't have the cap space. We have to really be careful. And, and even if the Sabres were like, we'll retain half on Casey Milstead so you get a better deal. They have the space. To, it's only for the rest of this year. It's right. very little in dollar amount, right? That you're saying, hey, we could do so that we can bring more. But what team right now that is a team that's in a playoff spot, 
that is looking to add a little extra punch that is tight to the cap is going to say, oh, yeah, and in return, we're going to trade you something that's really, really going to make you better because they don't want to give those parts away. They don't want to give those players away. Mm-hmm. That's why the summertime deals, everybody talks about the trade, the, the draft deals, not last year, but the draft deals are In always period, more significant. Yeah, well, there actually haven't been that many draft deals. I know last year was a complete dud, but it and all very gets much over. of a dud. But usually yeah. they are more significant. Why? Because if I make a trade with you, Duffer, and I'm saying I'm going to give you a player like Casey Middlestat, you're going to be able to give me something that has equal value right now because you're not going for anything more than I am or anything right. less than I am. Right. Right. So that's the difference. But I, I could definitely see the one guy that I could see having the value really in, in this March 8th trade deadline is Casey Middlestat. Mm-hmm. And again, it all depends. Where are you in, in discussing the contract or not discussing the contract, the numbers moving forward? I mean, if Casey's looking at, you know, Dylan Cousins at $7 million and Tage at 7.1 and and all of that, you're thinking, okay, well, that's just not going to happen. And you have to maximize the, the value that you have in Casey right now. Do you think Henry Yokoharu would be sought after? Uh the, the I do. I my first answer would be not as much. Um and, and really to be honest with you, the way Henry's playing and the way that we know he the abilities that he has, mm-hmm. um, I would say he probably has more value on the Sabres moving forward than anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, trading Henry and getting, you know, something in return, I, I don't know that it's gonna be significant. Um, unless you were like, look, we can trade Henry and acquire a forward, like trade a D4 forward, knowing that, okay, we have Ryan Johnson that's played good. Jacob Bryson's playing better right now, that we can kind of replace uh, Henry Yoki, are you with, you know, we have Owen Power, Matthias Samuelson next year, hopefully healthier this year, again, the injuries. Um, but if it's a defenseman for defenseman, I don't see the point of doing that. Yeah, I don't think I was ever thinking defense for defense. I was simply trying to highlight the fact that I think Yoki Haru has been good and he has been really good lately when playing with Darlene and increased minutes, career high yesterday, almost 28. And I, yeah, I, I just, I'm trying to look at players who have improved because we've spent a lot of time talking about players who are not at the same level as their career years last year. Um, you know, so couple of guys that come to mind to me would be Greenway and Yokiharu as far as improvement. I think Benson has improved throughout the course of the season, um, despite, you know, the, the stretches that, that, that don't result in, in numbers, but, um, I don't know. I, I mean, as always, uh, people can hit us up at Sabres live as far as, uh, perception of value, as far as players that, uh, could be on the move and, or what you think they might be doing here coming up to the trade deadline. Obviously we've still got time to go, but it's just, it's just so, um challenging right now right i mean 27 to go you probably have to go 22 and 5 and the red wings pulled off a couple of big wins to close out uh, the long weekend and um you know <laughs> tampa had a crap weekend 
<laughs> they they've regressed themselves back into a little mm. bit of a questionable wild card spot right now. Uh, they're technically wild card one, but in points percentage, they're wild card two. And the Devils might be able to leap them, especially if they keep playing the way they did. But the road ahead for Buffalo is literally the road in four of the next five. You've got Montreal, you've got Columbus this week. You come home for one with Carolina, and you go back out on the road and play at Florida and at Tampa before coming home to face Vegas and Winnipeg on back to back days on home ice. So yeah. yeah. Like, you know, buckle up here. So I don't know. Um, I'm just, I am really curious to see what, uh, what transpires roster wise here in the next little bit, because I just don't think they, they, I think they have to make a bold decision um, on somebody in their top six, presumably, you know. Uh, they might. Um, we got a great question here. Well, a great co- question comment here. And Todd says, yeah, okay, they've given up a half a goal less per game, but it's come because of better goaltending. Goal um, and it's not so much more playing defensive. The offense is struggling. Just open it up. And, okay, so I, I, I always say, like, open it up. Like, every coach, when you have the puck, would say, go score, create, go out there, right? Last season, the Sabres were 14th in the NHL in expected goals four per game at 289. Okay. This year, yes, they're drop, but they have not dropped like a huge number. This year, they're 24th at 282. They've dropped 0.07 expected goals per game. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing is last year they were scoring a half a goal more than their expectation per game. Mm-hmm. Every time they were supposed to score three, they scored three and a half. Every time they scored to score three and a half, they scored four. And this year, they are minus a tenth of a goal. So there's a, a 0.6 goal per game right there. Difference. You know, the expectation has not changed a whole lot when you look at the scoring set. 289 to 282 is not a big number in the mm-hmm. amount that you're creating. It's in the amount that you're finishing. That's basically what it comes down to. That's that's all that it is. And yes, the finishing is on the, uh, you know, on the shoulders of the top players. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think that I look at it and say, oh, the Sabres are creating less. They just scored more. They Like, uh... Anaheim yesterday, if you're, if you're an Anaheim Ducks yesterday fan, right? If mm-hmm. that game was in Anaheim and you go home and you're like, yes, they won four to three. Well, if they had lost three to two, you would have said, oh my God, this was terrible. We didn't create anything. We only had 15 shots. That was awful, right? Mm-hmm. But they won four to three. You go home like, yeah, we are a winner. Last year, that's what the Sabres did. They 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 scored six and seven, right? In games that they were supposed to score three, three and a half and four. And you're thinking, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, like this is so much fun. Yeah, they're just overperforming all the numbers and all the expectation. And in the end, wins and losses like are what matters. That's what everybody wants. And if you're losing more than you're winning, it doesn't matter. In the end, if you're producing the same amount, it's just wow. the end result. Okay, well, it's appropriate that we're broadcasting from the foot of RJ Way, which is on Perry Street, because uh, I just rolled through a stop sign like everybody else does on this roadway. We're five minutes late to break, and uh, we'll t- <laughs> take a quick time out. Be right back on Sabres Live. Stay with us. Stay with us. 
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Well, shame on us. We didn't solve the offensive conundrum in the first half hour of the uh, first week of our, or the first day of our return to the work week here, Marty. Maybe we'll do better tomorrow. Well, uh, listen, I, I enjoyed a uh, Monday off here and there. It wasn't really off because we oh, had the game. Oh, yeah. No, but I, I texted the group yesterday. I said, Monday afternoons are meant for hockey. Like, I need this every week. I don't need some ho- holiday to, I, Monday afternoon hockey would be amazing. Mondays would be better forever. I, I, so here's the thing. I totally understand fans' frustration with where it's at right now. The Sabres are three games under 500. They're sitting, uh, you know, fourth last in the Eastern Conference right now at 52 points. They are five 12 lo- points Marty, back. Just, like, look at this tiny window. They lost five of six at home. Yeah, no, right yeah. So like I that, totally that, get you it. Re- you reverse that again. Like, we can take the smallest little thing and reverse five it. Five and one. Boom, uh, they're in. <laughs> yeah, well, they'd be a lot closer, yes. Yeah. Um, but I got to give him credit. I mean, yesterday, I know it's Youth Hockey Day. Lots of kids in the arena, right, on this uh, President's Day and on, on this Monday at 1230. It, the atmosphere was great. It, it mm-hmm. just, it, everybody goes home disappointing. And you add another loss to what has been a really tough season. And yes, everybody's going to be frustrated, disappointed. Add the adjective you want right there. But I saw so many kids at the game. That we're so excited for, you know, just to get a, a chance to to watch Ukopekalukan and, and to see Darlene and to see others, right? Perform. Mm-hmm. I, it was around the set, it was fun because people were enjoying their family time. It's a lot harder when you go home after the afternoon game and they lost to the Anaheim Ducks, right? That's definitely not a good feeling. No, and at the same time, the uh, you know, and we'll still try to hit uh, as much as we can around the league. And by the way shocking development from the commissioner's office. He has, he has affirmed Morgan Riley's five game suspension. Honestly, did you really think it was going to change? Well, no, but I, number one, I think the process is like a little flawed when you appeal to the commissioner. You know, what's flawed being as dumb as Riley after the incident. Anyway, I get it, but you know why they appeal, you know, why they appeal. Yes, because we need to stand up for the perpetrator's rights, not the victims. I know. It's the ongoing dilemma that is the NHLPA. It's not a dilemma. It's basically, you know, there's so many suspensions that go, like, everybody says, why is this just a game? It should be five. Why is this, like, 
there's a there's a, a misunderstanding and and we've talked about it all the time on how suspensions and the, the Department of Player Safety goes about doing their business mm. that when you appeal, it becomes basically a an open case. And now the PA, uh, yeah. the Player Association, get to see emails and texts and like uh, basically a breakdown of phone calls. How does the process work? Just to try to make it better. And try to, I don't think they didn't think it was going to be reduced from five to three or five to two. No, they probably knew it was going to stay at five, but at least they got a better understanding on how the process worked. And in the past, it's, we have known that the process could be flawed at times. I don't know that it is flawed anymore, but it was, and it definitely, okay, despite the fact that I didn't think it was a five game suspension, I don't think that the process was flawed there. All right, we just wasted too many minutes on a team that has won five in a row without Morgan Riley. No one cares. It was dumb. Lawyers make money, and we move on. Amherst yesterday afternoon in Toronto got a win, and let's quickly show you the goals if you're watching on MSG. Oh, yeah. They were able to get tied up thanks to Mason Yopson, period number two, and that was on the power play. Remember, this was the Amherst coming off a really, really, really disappointing game on Sunday at home when Utica just pulled away and was able to you know, put up seven against the Amherst and it was a really quick turnaround and the Amherst were playing third time. Uh, was it? Yeah. Four. Remember, this is all part of the seven and yeah. 11. This was game four. Well, they survived the overtime session and Jeremy Davies with a net drive after a complete misplay by the Marley's netminder and defender Davies was unbelievable in his attack towards the goal, made a perfect finish with just seconds remaining in overtime and they win. Okay. So they beat the Marlies two to one, but the real story is the fact that Devin Levi yes. stopped 52 of 53. He is six, two and two now with the Amherst Marty. Take us into what you saw from Levi in this, uh, really, I mean, he was really at his best in period number three overtime was Oh my gosh, changed the format overtime boring. Like the Marlies held onto the puck forever, two and a half minutes, barely had any shot attempts. Amherst had the puck for over a minute, no shot attempts. Like it was just, it was painful to watch, but Levi was anything but during the course of regulation. So what Levi did in this game and what Levi has been doing in Rochester is we all know he has the athleticism, right? He does the splits, he can battle, but the best way to use your athleticism is in desperate moments, is in extreme moments. When you're under control in 90% of the game and 10% you use your athleticism and you're going to battle, you, that's going to set you apart. And that's what Levi did in this game. I mean, there was so many times where he was diving around on desperation, but it wasn't the original save. It wasn't the controlled save. There was a controlled save. There was a rebound. And then there's a battle and using your athleticism. And, and what we saw to Levi at the start of the season at the NHL level was relying on that athleticism, despite, you know, and, and at, despite what he should have done was using his structure. And now that he has more confidence, now that he has more experience and a little bit more of a feel for the speed of the game and the level of the game, mm -hmm. uh, you see a much more under control type goaltender. Yes, in a game where you have over 50 shots, you are going to need to make some crazy acrobatic saves, which he mm -hmm. did, but it's not the foundation of his game. And earlier in the season, I thought, why is he trying to be spectacular all the time? That's not his game. Like yeah. in the college rank, you watch all of his saves, all of his games and whatnot, it's steady, it's structure. And then all of a sudden, the highlight one that you see is a split save on a breakaway or on a two-on-one. But that's the that's the extreme measure. 
What he did in uh, in in Rochester, in Toronto for the Rochester Americans yesterday was the 90-10. That is the perfect recipe for his game, uh, despite the fact that we're going to show you highlights of him diving around, but it wasn't the whole game. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I'll tell you what, though, it was uh, it was wild to see the overtime for as boring, quote unquote, as it was because of the possession and not the shot attempts. I will say this. Jeremy Davies deserved to have the OT winner. He had an unreal block in the first yeah. minute of the overtime. And then Hildeby just got kind of complacent and unknowing as to where to place the puck for his defender. And the fact that Davies was able to split two defenders, read the play and take it to the goal was just so impressive. And what a, what a rush this is. And, and what a nice moment, um, you know, for the team. When Seth Appert talked to us last week, he said, and I don't think it was cliche in any way, but, you know, playing seven in 11 days and taking a mentality of treating it like a playoff series was really cool. And yeah. to see them rebound and, and the playoffs, this is the, like, this is what playoffs are like. You can get your doors blown off one night and it doesn't matter. Wipe the slate clean. Right. And so now they've won three out of the first four with three to, you know, three to go this week, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday with that finale against Hershey. And, uh, I'm, I'm just really impressed here by, by how they've navigated this. So, and without, and again, without Geary, the last two games, cause you know, after he he broke out of his, his goalless drought, he got dinged up high and has been out with an upper body injury day to day. I also like that Seth basically came out and said, Levi's probably going to play five out of seven. Like he he can't play all seven. This is crazy playing seven and 11, but even five and 11 is a heavy schedule, right? It would be every other day for a week and a half and you play, you play, you play. And Seth basically said, no, Devin's going to go. I had a conversation with him. He's going to go. And what I love is that uh, even in the post game, when they gave him the uh, the eagle mask, right? Like he's got the biggest smile on his face. Like this is all part ah, of the. Ah, ah. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. There's no crows, people. It's just that <laughs> eagle mask. But he um he he just he, he he who wouldn't be smiling after that game? Yeah, but I really feel that he's embracing that. And yeah. look now, you know, Comrie was sick yesterday, but Lukanen is playing a lot. There's going to be a, a time where two things. We're going to see Levi playing some games in the NHL again this season, in my opinion. And two, we're going to be seeing Levi, in my opinion, playing down the stretch in Rochester and into the playoffs. And that's going to be a really, really good thing to do. Well, that's what winning three out of four has done here. It has helped widen at least a little bit for the time being. The gap between their spot in third and seventh in the bottom. Of course, Utica was at the bottom and Utica was able to get that revenge game in on Sunday at Blue Cross. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fascinating fight and the Amherst are, uh, definitely trending the right way as far as picking up points in the standings and who knows maybe they even knock down Syracuse at some point here they're five back right now with three ahead this week okay out of left field this should also be a new segment out of left field question for this day okay. before we take the break do you believe the Bruins will consider trading Linus Allmark at the deadline um look be honest with you, this is a uh, a bit of a bitter pill for me because I've been banging the drum all last year and last offseason that you know teams should have gone after Jeremy Swayman. Um, I do think that the Bruins will 
be making a decision at some point to trade Linus Solmark. I just don't think it's going to be at this deadline. He has another year left. Mm -hmm. And if something happened, like you're not going to replace him with something significant now that if something was to happen to Swayman, but you can do that in the offseason, you can do that next year. You have prospects, right? Goaltenders with Boston. So, but I think eventually the end for Allmark will come via trade. Um, with the Boston Bruins. He has a 16-team no-trade right now. His numbers are almost identical to Swayman's once again as far as wins-loss. He's just a little bit behind when it comes to goals against and save percentage, but not huge. The two of them have been excellent for the Bruins that you cannot deny. But what the reason this came up was because if you missed it yesterday, the Bruins and Stars went into a nine-round shootout, and the Stars had seven chances to win the game yeah. one on an ottinger save that they didn't get and then six straight rounds they could have closed out the shootout with a goal and could not beat swayman only to get denied at the end of evening it by one of the craziest non-goals you'll ever see in a shootout where it got behind swayman he kicked it and it trickled along the goal the line way. to the goal post and then did not go in it was miraculous but swayman absolutely earned that victory, regardless of how that last sequence ended, he was so poised, so impressive to watch against some of the best shooters Dallas has to offer, and that's kind of why I brought it up. Real quick, okay, we're going to so take I a... let quick, quick this or that for you before we go to break. Um, Lena Solmark or Jacob Markstrom, who would you want? Oh, well, I would have to think about the team because it's not Boston. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm, I got Boston. No, no, no I'm my... saying like if you're trading for a goaltender, if you were looking for a goaltender, you're a team, you're... You know, you're New Jersey, for example. Yeah. And and you have both options. Well, at this point, either. I, I would take either. But <laughs> I'll, I'll provide more. I, I got to get to break, man. I'm on the hot seat. I'll, I'll give you a better <laughs> answer when we come back on Sabres Live. <laughs> We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Bad idea, right? Presenting me with a dis or dat before time was up. No, bad idea, right? <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo's 21 today. Pretty isn't pretty, baby. Woo! Okay, well, good. Cindy Crawford's 58 today. Rodrigo. So Ooh. that's the other way. Cindy Crawford. Oh. Yeah, that's the other way uh, to, uh, you know, would you, Kurt would Cobain you, would have been uh, 57 today. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's. I have uh, an answer for your dissertat. You do? I, I would take Allmark. <laughs> You're silent. The question is so hard that I don't know. I was hoping you were going to say Markstrom so I could say I'd take Allmark, but you say Allmark and I want to say Allmark, but. Allmark's think... younger, has less term, and they're pretty similar. Yeah, but Markstrom has also played more, has played like a lot in seasons, and. Two years at six million. Like, what's Olmark going to want after this contract? If he's, I don't he care. Just if you're acquiring Linus Olmark at the deadline. You're getting him to win now. That's I get it, it but uh, I don't think Let's he's getting it. traded at the deadline. But I'm saying, if you acquire him in the summer or next year, could you trade assets to say win now and not resign him? That's the thing. I, I'll go out on a limb and say Nico Dawes is the game one starter if the Devils make the playoffs. Well, they'll lose that first round. Ouch. Why are you so negative? Because they need a goalie. It's not Monday. It's Tuesday. Tomorrow's Wednesday. We'll see you then. Monday.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.